We've been, we started this month on our family series. Last week we discussed and talked about um, the genesis of the family, the beginning, how God created the family. It was his plan, his blueprint for family. That one man and one woman would come together and create family and, and, and procreate and, and establish things in the earth. And it's, 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 it's an amazing thing. And you know what? I didn't dismiss the children. We're going to dismiss all the 4 to 12-year-olds. We don't want to get them concerned that I may talk and not release them. <clears throat> Thank God for our children. Amen? Um, and so we started um, last week with, with just the beginnings of the family and, and talking and discussing that. You know, if you, if you weren't here last week, always remember you can go to gatesofthecity.org and, and you can go to the podcast and go to iTunes and either download or even listen to any of the messages. We've got messages on their back probably to 2009 or so. So make sure you know, that you go and listen to messages. If you've come in and you missed one, you can always go and, and listen to that. But um, today, being Father's Day, um, the Bible is very clear about fathers and the understanding of fathers and, and, and the purpose of fathers and what, what fathers are here for. And, and the, you know, there's, there's been a lot through the years... There's been a lot said about fathers, and, and, and I'm going to talk a, a little bit about that. But today, as, I, as we get into this, um, I'm going to have my four daughters come up, and uh, they're going to do this service with me, and, and we're going we're gonna to do a little talking and discussing and, and, uh, and allowing... Uh, you to hear some things from my daughters and their lives and being raised in a in 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 my home and their relationship with me and you know I think it's going to be a good thing and so they're here um, w- with my pulpit um, I want I want to keep this but but maybe we'll move it out of the middle can we do that Let, let's move it. No, I, I really need my pulpit because I'm going to share a few things. So why don't we just set it here? That way I can kind of go back and forth from the stool because, you know, I can never sit on the stool very long. <clears throat> we'll just move this guy back here. That's good. Perfect. Okay, everybody set? Cool. Huh? Yeah, I'm going to stand behind you for a minute. Does that make you nervous? <clears throat> okay, so... Um, you know, we're, we're going to talk about family today, and we're going to talk about our, you know, our family and what this has looked like over the last 30 years of family here. Becky and I have been married this year 35 years in August. And, um, but, uh, uh, you know, I want you to know there's no perfect family, and I want to start out with the family that I was raised in and just mention a few things to you about, um, about my relationship with my father. Today is Father's Day, so we're talking in regards to father-children relationships. And 
I was raised in a home where when I was born, my father was a golf professional. And so I was born into that, that world. And, and my father had very little training. And he, he would, I, I, I love the man. I just spent two days with him, helping him work through some things. My, his wife, 40 years, passed in December. And so it's been kind of a difficult transition for him. He and my mother divorced when I was about 10 years old. And so this mother came into my life and was a huge blessing and great woman. And, but she passed in December, and so I've just spent a few days with my dad. And just a phenomenal man, a faithful man, uh, a man uh, an honest man, a man of huge and deep, deep integrity. And, um, you know, I could, I could go on and on, but I'll end up crying just talking about him. But... My grandfather was, was a man that had some real physical kind of mental issues, not, not mental like um, not there, but he was a manic depressive. So he was up or he was way down all the time. And, uh, and so as a result of that, my, my, my father had very little contact with his father. They lived in Louisiana. They, my dad was actually raised by servants that lived in their house, and, and so he had very little connection with his father. And as years went on, my grandfather got worse and worse, and just, just a very sad situation. And so when I was born and came into that family, my dad had very little to input into my life. He was a faithful man, he worked constantly, probably six and a half days a week, all my growing up that I remember. He was a golf professional, and so one of the things is, one of the reasons I played golf is so I could hang with him, you know, and you just, you kind of gravitate towards where your dad is. But I have to say, and I've told my, my father this, so it's not anything new, but I always felt from my father that he didn't want me around. Everywhere we went and whatever we did, I felt like I was in the way and he didn't like me or he didn't want me there. It's not, that's not the way he felt, but I felt that from him. And, and part of it was that he didn't know how to father me. He didn't know how to be a parent and, and to be a true father. And so as a result, I grew up with some kind of strange ideas and strange attitude in regards to that. So um, in 1979, Becky and I married... And in 1983, Amanda, our oldest daughter, was born. And, uh, and I can remember the day that she was born. And I can remember thinking, now what? I mean, you know, I didn't voice that, but it was like, now what? Now, now what do we do? Here's this life and this child, and what do, you, what do, you, what do we do with it, you know? And, I mean, I was in fear of being a father. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to react, how to respond to this. And, you know, over the next two years, Laura was born. And two years later, Rebecca was born. And 14 years, no, four, four years later, <clears throat> Olivia was born. And 
I have a brother that has five boys. And uh, we live two totally different worlds. <laughs> totally. They came to our house a few times when all the kids were little. And, you know, as I stood in the driveway and waved goodbye to them, I said, thank God I have girls. <laughs> Love y'all. See you in about two years, you know. I mean, that was my mentality because I had, I mean, I was all boy growing up, but then I was blessed with these daughters and, and learned that life can be a little different, you know, and, uh, and it was. But I just want to say today that there's no perfect family and there's no perfect father. And no matter what world you came out of and no matter where your parents are or, or, or how you, your parents raised you or maybe issues, I mean, I mean somebody, somebody said to me one day, said, well, you know, uh, did, did you come from a dysfunctional family? And I said, you know, I mean, everybody's got some dysfunction. You know, I don't care what, I mean, the scary people are the people that think that they're not dysfunctional. Those are the ones to be nervous about, you know. Oh, everything's just perfect with us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so, so because everybody has some dysfunction in family because you don't have perfect parents, and we're talking fathers today because there's no perfect father, um, I decided to have my girls come up and just kind of talk a little bit about how great I am, you know. I mean, <clears throat> I thought that'd be just perfect for, for today. And, and then... Just have them tell me, you know, tell all of you how great I am, and we'll just go home. Amen? Yeah, but that won't, that won't work, you know. But I do, wanna, I do want them to talk a little bit about some things that maybe that I did that helped them, but, but I want you to hear some things maybe from them that, that didn't help them, you know, because I didn't know what to do. And, and notice, and isn't it funny that <clears throat> you raise children, and then you become grand. And why couldn't we be grand when we were raising the kids? You know? I mean, why couldn't we have all the revelation and understanding and, and actually raising these girls grew me up. And that's the way it works. So, I mean, it's, I mean, it's, it, it, it's kind of like, you know, uh, it's kind of like a mechanic working on a car. I mean, Sometimes a mechanic, you know, Randy's a mechanic. I mean, sometimes you think you know what's wrong with the car, but sure enough, you fix that thing and that wasn't it, you know? And so it's another thing and then it's another thing. Sometimes it's trial and error learning how to, you know, how to, how to fix the car. Well, it's the same way raising children. Thank God we have the helper, amen? And he, he's not here to raise our children, but he's here to help us raise our children and give us wisdom and understanding. So... Along the way, you better develop a relationship with God to get the goods from Him so that you don't screw them up royally. You know what I'm saying? And, and, but along the way, things can get messed up and, and you can make some wrong mistakes. And we're going to talk a little bit about that and, and about, as a result of that, how your heart attitude has to be toward your father. I'm talking a little bit about my father and what he couldn't do. And I had some issues and things toward him that I had to get through and work through in life. And so at the end of this, we're going to talk a little bit about that. But to start out with today, um, 
all through the years, you know, my children in living in our home have, you know, been asked lots of questions about, you know, what is it like to be raised in a home where your father is a pastor? And so with these questions today, I, I, I kind of want to hear from them uh, in regards to, you know, what some of those questions have been in, in, in people asking. Now, th- this is our world, and it's not most of your world, maybe some of you, but not, not most of you that are here today in, in, in my children being raised in a pastor's home. So kind of listen to what they are saying and kind of glean and, and hear some of the examples that they're going to give today. And I, and I believe it will bless you just in some of their responses. So what are some of the questions through the years that people have asked you about what it's like to be raised in this home? Father is a pastor. Probably, uh, do you take communion every day? No. <laughs> Uh, does your dad preach at you every day? No, he doesn't preach at home. <laughs> or if we have church at home, like worship. And do we do we do church at home? No, no. Oh, you didn't. Tell we did that, that with our Barbie dolls. We set them up. After that, it, we just came here. Worship, and then they would have church, but not us. <laughs> yeah, the Somebody same. Else? The same. I mean. How weird are you? You know, how normal is he? Is he normal? I mean, is he just like a dad? And you know, yeah. I think probably the biggest one was: is he the same at home as he is at church? Yeah, like with people, is he kind? Does he treat your mom well? You know, those kind of hard-hitting questions. When you're eight, you're like, well, I think, yeah. (laughs) I think he does. Yeah. (laughs) That's what I was gonna say. Same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, you know, um, when, when you, and, and it, it's not just this, this role or this position, like as a pastor, but um, any kind of public position where people are looking at you, people have the tendency to look and think that, well, you're just kind of up higher or you're on a pedestal or you don't have issues that, that everybody else deals with because, you know, all you do all week is just study and then preach on Sunday. And, and I mean, people think that and have no idea the things that are involved. And, and you could say that about the position that you're in. So it's not like, you know, this is the only position that, that, that has, you know, some, some kind of strange or twisty, twisting kind of issues that you have to deal with. But but they're there. And as a result of that, in, in what I've been called to do, my children have taken on, you know, things that maybe they didn't want to take on as a result of being my children. But, you know, it wasn't the choice of the children whose parent they got, right? They didn't choose. Well, I think I'll pick him. No, because there probably was times along the way where they would have said, 
if I would have chose, I wouldn't have taken him, you know, or, or whatever. So, so we, you know, you don't, you don't choose. You, it's, it's where God places you, and, and, and he places you in a right place, and there's times when you don't think he did that he missed it, right? And, and so there's, a, there's you know, in, in, in our family, there's, like they're saying, there's been a lot of questions and a lot of things asked through the years, and so, you know, in, in, in regards to some of those questions, what are, what would you say are some of the things along the way that maybe that I've done as a father that have helped you or helped to advance you all, you know, in your life as, as children, as you, as you've grown? I mean, because today all of my daughters are here by choice. They're, they're not here in Kerrville in this church and, 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 connected to this body because they have to be they're here by choice because they want to do this and and so along the way um are there some things that you guys could say that i've done that have have helped your life or well i was just going to say on on that note um i think one of the questions for me that i always had was like do you have to go to church so he makes you go to church you know every week and then as you know you're getting older becoming you know, teenager, adult, whatever, um, is this really what you want to do? I mean, he, he's making you, right? Or, like, people just assumed that. Like, so you're in church, you're working here, or you're whatever, because he's making you. And as, you know, a younger child, or maybe not child, teenager, I think you, or I know I dealt with, oh, maybe they're right, you know, maybe he is making me. Do I want, why am I here? Do I want to do this, you know? But for me, you did a great job of letting me make that decision and not forcing me ever, you know, but again, letting my own heart, you know, guide me and you helping guide my heart. So, okay, well, why are you doing this? Why do you want to do this? Why do you love Jesus? Why do you, you know, always asking me the question rather than, you know, no, this is just what we do. So on that, what you, on that note, that was awesome. Yeah, like specifically one time I remember, I think I was like probably like 15 or 16 and I was really burned out on church. I was serving and going and I mean, it was our life and I was just kind of tired of it. And I was talking to you in your office and didn't have a very good attitude at all. And I was sat across the desk from you and you were like, well, maybe you just need to stop going to church for a while. And I was like, what? Like, that was not the response. I, I mean, I knew he wouldn't get mad at me because he never made us, but I, I didn't know, I was not expecting that at all. So the next, I think it was the next Wednesday, I was like, fine, I'm just not gonna, you know, I just went late. I was after worship and I just, I went in, I sat on the second row and I was kind of mad and I was just sitting there. And then like the longer that I sat there, I was like, no, this is, this isn't my heart. This isn't what I know of the word. This, but it was all, you directed it back to me, and I, I got to make that decision for myself, and I had the freedom to do it without feeling convicted or like I'd done something wrong. That was not how I felt when I sat there and realized this isn't what I want. It was from knowing that it was not what was really in my heart, and it was just a bad attitude I was having. That's good. You know, just a long, and, and y'all, you better have things to say. Um, <laughs> And, and, you know, someone may say, well, so you're just going to let her not go to church? No, no, but she's going to have to find it out herself, and I need to direct it. You know, there's a difference in just saying, 
well, you're going to bless God, go to church till you leave home. Well, the day she leaves home, and she'll leave home as quickly as she can, she's going she's gonna to hook it out of there and never go to church again. So it was, okay, don't go. I mean, little did she know that that would have lasted about two or three weeks, and then we would have, you know, okay, you know, you're going to, we would have worked on it in a different way. But I knew in talking with her what the problem was, and she needed the liberty to make the choice. And, and you know, she's been in church ever since because she wants to be, not because, you know, you have to go to church. Church is about the word. And what's the word about? It changes your mind and your thinking. And, and that's what we've always promoted. It's not some religious thing that you go through the motions of doing. It's something that's real, and, and it changes your life, and, and you need the word. Uh, one thing that he did well for me was he was always calm. I wasn't rebellious. I wasn't... I didn't lie, I, I was, but I did not like to hear the word no. And so when I heard it, I fell apart. And when I was little, I would just kind of fall to the ground, and it was just like the world was over. And then when I got older, I stomped my foot and I grunted. <laughs> well, the, when I stopped that was when she did it back at me one day. And I was like, <laughs> humiliated, and so I was like, well, I'm not doing that again. But so I would fall apart or just being upset about anything. He would sit and he would just kind of stare at me. And I'd just be like, you know. But he would always, it was always calm. It was never hyper. There was, there was never like uh, that feeling that I couldn't tell him how I felt, no matter if it was something he did to me, you know. I could always tell him, but he was always calm. So for my personality, I needed that more than anything. Hmm. He is one of the most selfless people that I've ever known, and he does not hold grudges. So you can talk about something, even if we didn't have a, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, whatever, he would get over it. I mean, it was just the best example of forgiveness, get over it, you know, and learn how to stay calm even when you're in fear or upset about something. I, I could always go to him, and he would always be like, he would, and Amanda said earlier, he would make you tell him what was wrong or why do you want to do that? And, but it would always go back to, okay, then what does the word say? Always. And that's how I think, kind of like with Becca, they allowed the conviction to be within us by the Holy Spirit because it always went back to the word. Okay, well, what, well, what does God say about that? Hmm. What do you think God thinks about your attitude right now? Well, what do you think he thinks about the way you talk to your sister? You know? So it was always, well, okay, what about God? But his calmness helped me. Still to this day, I can, he can call me really fast. So he did that very well. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, I think kind of goes along the same lines. Just patience. I think you were so patient to allow what she was saying, the Holy Spirit to move. You know, instead of laying down the law initially and saying, well, no, you're not going to do this because I don't want you to. You know, you would be patient and allow the Holy Spirit for us to, you know what, I don't think that's right. I don't think, you know, and so it, we were able to build the Holy Spirit on the inside of us easier. And I think, too, you know, they're, they're saying all this and that I was patient and I was all this, you know, but I had to learn to be that, you know, and I had, through trial and error, you know, they're pro you know and they'll share some things that weren't all that great, because I had to learn, I had to learn from my wife because she had a great example in her mother and father. And, and I had to learn from people um, 
that God set in my life because of the fact that my father didn't have that and I could have been the victim and used that as an excuse all my life. Well, you know, I don't know how to raise my kids and they're going to just go to hell in a basket or whatever and, and, and use that as an excuse all my life because my father didn't have it. And, and I could have done that and, it, and there were times when I did do that and there were times when I really wanted to do that. But then in my relationship with God, God wouldn't allow me to do that. And I could have ignored God and disobeyed him and done it anyway. But, you, but in, in your relationship, like I said, what these girls don't realize is what a blessing that they've been to me because they grew me up raising them. You know, it, it developed things on the inside of me. And had it not, and had I not gotten closer to God, that there would have been no, or very little success in anything that I did. Anybody else along that line? Um, yeah, I was going to say that, you know, in wanting to do something, kind of like what she was talking about with going to church or whatever it was, I think the lack of making everything a law and making everything bad, you know, we never had that. I remember, I don't know when, but watching TV and, you know, the parents always saying, because you live in my house, you're going to live by my rule. Like, that was something that people always said, and you all never said that. You know, it wasn't about, I mean, we knew what was right. And like she said, you know, giving us the opportunity to, for our heart to hear and know the heart of God, and, and not that we made decisions on our own when we were 10, you know, but helping guide that, but not ever feeling that forbidden thing. I mean, I never had that growing up ever, and, you know, if you had or your children have, it's not like a condemning thing. It's just kind of, if this is a new thing for you, hearing it's never the way to go. Mm. I mean, you, I think you see it all the time. The moment that something is taken away or you cannot touch that, that's, that's the first thing that they go to. And I don't think that we ever really had those. I mean, not that we never did, but for the most part, because we, we, didn't, we weren't forbidden to do things. It, again, it was always, you know, let your conscience show you what is right and wrong. And I'm so thankful for that. And, you know, the world that I lived in, that I grew up in, which were, there were no limits, you did anything you wanted to, looked and watched at anything you wanted to, involved in all kinds of stuff. Well, I get born again when I'm 18, I met, meet my wife, we get married, then we have these children, and along the way, it's like, okay, I'm trying to adjust to what to do, and, and that's, this is where my wife was such a blessing in my life, because it was like, okay, we go to church and people are like, we're teaching against certain things. We, you know, you can't watch this and you can't watch these things, you know, and I'm thinking, okay, okay, so, you know, the kids are growing up. No, you can't watch that, you know, and then, then Becky and I talk about it. So, well, you know, what, what's that going to produce in them that they can't watch this? So along the way, you know, there were, there were little things like um, I grew up on, uh, anybody ever watched the old Adams Family? Yeah, yeah. Oh man, I love that show. And and so when when I when I came into Christianity, okay, uh, okay. So do you get rid of the Adams family? I mean, you know. So is it is, is it a sin? I mean, and and this is these are the things that I was working through in my Christian walk and the things that I was hearing taught and that kind of stuff. So, you know, I'm just using that as an example. So what what is right and what's wrong? So so just a simple example, I believe that what she said one day. I think it was Amanda and Lauren, they were little, you know, and, and, and 
uh, and the reason I brought up the Adams Family is because it was this show. They were at somebody's house and they were watching the, the Adams Family, and they, they so they had questions about it. So they came and asked me about it. Now, I could have freaked out. I mean, if they, you, you, let's say that that's a big deal where my kids are concerned. Okay, so I could have freaked out and oh my God, you're never going to those people's house again, Rah! you know, and just getting all whatever. Or I can do what I did, which I believe was right. Probably my wife gave me the idea on it, you know. But I sat down in the floor with them in front of the television when, when this rerun came on of the Adams Family. And I said, okay, so let, let's watch it and let's talk about what's on the show. So we get about a few minutes in to the show and one of them, one of the two of them or both of them said, nah, Dad, we don't like this, you know. Because it wasn't, it didn't fit with the world we were living in you know just why it's not that it's not that you can't watch this you can't 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 if you live a life where you can't 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 and you teach as fathers i'm talking to today if if it's all just about what they can't do you're not teaching them to make decisions based on conviction so situations like that we did for years as they got older and it came to you know drinking or drugs or whatever that they were hearing about, you know, in the world and, and friends and different people that they had. So we just addressed it, you know. We're in a restaurant somewhere in Timbuktu on a vacation. We're sitting at, a, at an olive garden, and I don't know, they were, they were all young, and, and the question about alcohol and drinking and stuff came up. And so I said, so I told the waiter, I said, I need, a, I need this kind of wine. It was a really, really dry wine, you know. And, uh, and on purpose and I said and I need I need six glasses and so he brought six glasses and he poured a little wine in each one of them and I said okay so taste it and so they all taste ah, blah, 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 you know and, and and so I said okay when I, when I was your age you know I mean about the time about nine or ten years old you know I was drinking heavily a lot of gross wine that that wasn't good for your body at nine or ten years old and I said and by the time I was a teenager became just addicted to alcohol by the time I was probably 13 or 14 years old I was addicted to it and I said and 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 through the years I explained to them what that didn't produce for me well based on what they tasted with the wine at that young age you know and some of the things that I explained to them about it they, they I, I never, I don't think I ever talked about drinking again, but they just made their own choices as they went. You know, I mean, they, they, you know, you guys drink today? Okay, so they don't drink by choice, okay? Not because you're a sinner because you drink, okay? If you, you have a glass of wine or you drink, whatever. You know, that, that, that's between you and God. But we, because of where I came from, I had to figure a way of helping them to understand how to make a choice about something so you don't just get, well, i got to figure this out, and okay, that tasted good, and so I'm going to drink more and more, and before you know it, you get addicted to something that you may not even like. You know, why get stuck in that? And I'm just, I'm speaking to a lot of younger fathers right now, you know, just let it be a natural thing in helping your children make choices. Not this legalistic thing, you can't, you can't, you can't kind of thing, but not on the other end, just, well, you know, kids are kids and they'll make all their own. No, 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 be a part of it, you know, get involved in it, get creative. I'm telling you, the helper of the Holy Spirit will give you creative ideas if you listen to him and develop your relationship with him.
Amen. Anybody else along that line about how great I am? I like these. <laughs> that was it. Golly, about four things. Man, <laughs> uh, it's a good thing their mother isn't up here because you know it would it would be like this. You know. So, any other thought or comment about that? So, on the reverse side, you know, and maybe speaking, you know, as we're speaking to younger fathers today, and and on this end, maybe some of the things that and and and. God made us this way to have, you know, mistakes that we've made. You can make a mistake and keep making the mistake, or you can make a mistake and change and help others with it, you know. So what would you say some of the things that I did that didn't benefit you or profit you or maybe created offense or unforgiveness or harboring stuff, you know, towards me because of maybe some wrong attitudes or things that I was doing? <laughs> be nice yeah. well for me in my uh, teenage years he I felt that he was absent and wasn't around or if he was at the house he wasn't at the house and due to living a life in the ministry I took on a lot of the just because I just did it not because he they, didn't, they never put it on us but so I'd go to church and there'd be issues and we never got to deal with it, so I took it on myself. We kind of say that I was like the police. I was always like making sure everything was okay. I took the pressure on, so that caused a major frustration just within my life. I was, I didn't want to be at church. I didn't want to be, I mean, questioned a lot of things. God, what am I doing? Who is he? Do I believe in him? And I didn't want to be around the family. I mean, you can ask him. We'd go to San Antonio like once a week for family day. I was not the best of company. I usually just sit like this. I wouldn't do anything. I wouldn't shop. I, would, I was just horrible. But um, it was just like a phase for several years of just frustration because I felt like I couldn't go to him. I felt like he wasn't around. And to me, those are the high school teenage years are very crucial. So it caused, like I said, that frustration that into my early 20s is when I finally was able to work through it and we kind of talked about it and we talked about, you know, God, his, you know, who he is and um, kind of had the forgiveness process started. But, and I think yeah, everyone's been a teenager, most of us in here, you realize the importance if you had a semi-good relationship with your dad. So if it was semi-good and he wasn't there, you felt it. And if he isn't there at all, it's going to affect you. So having him growing up and then feeling like he wasn't there, that was a, a frustration that stuck with me for a very long time. And, you know, God, there was definitely healing there, but yeah. those years were, those, those were hard years. And I, I remember when that kind of started and I'd look at my wife and say, what's wrong with her? You know? <laughs> What's the, what's the deal? You know what, what? What? Because I wasn't getting, I wasn't getting what I was doing and what my part was in the lack that was there in her life. You know, and and we've talked that through, and and I and I got advice from my pastor and from other you know men of God and helping me to understand because you know when again it's this trial and error thing if you know. You, you have kids, and, and, and they're one way when they're little, and then you hit the teenage years, and it's a totally different world, you know? And you've never, you were a teenager, 
but you didn't live in this period of time, you know. And so, you know, in, in dealing with those things that, you know, we all learn through it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Somebody else? I, I mean, I kind of would say the same thing. <clears throat> and again, it was that, like the teenage, you know, and on, because you had a lot going on. I mean, we owned a business. My, I think we opened up my senior year in high school, and through those years, and you worked full-time, <laughs> and you were pastoring, and, you know, I mean, no one has a, I mean, not to say that this is the worst situation ever, but I mean, it was a, it was a stressful environment for quite a few years for us, so, yeah, I think, like she said, it's, you know, if you, if you don't have a father at all, obviously, we can't relate to that at all, but having him there, and then kind of one day, all of a sudden, it feels like, where did he go? I mean, it's a traumatic thing, you know, and I, that's basically what I have. Mm-hmm. I mean, so I was I was in the house, I yeah. was there, but I wasn't there. Well, I think yeah, a lot of times. And when you are a little, you know, old enough to realize, you know, and to the dads, your your kids, you know, I don't care if they're five or fifteen or whatever, they know what's going on. They know if you're stressed. They know. I mean, and I guess maybe specifically the girls. I don't know so much about with guys, but you know, you can feel everything. I mean, I remember being little bitty and knowing immediately, like somebody was mad, something, you know, you just sense it. Um, so yeah, I think knowing that you were under stress, you know, there was that because we could see it or we could hear it or we, you know, whatever. I, and you know, on your part or like my part, I didn't want to approach you. I felt that I couldn't. So then I think like any child does, you take it upon yourself. Well, it's because I'm not important enough for him to want to ask me this or that, or I had this big issue going on, and he knows it, and he hasn't asked me in two weeks. I mean, you know, again, maybe it's a girl thing, but I mean, you internalize that forever and ever and ever. Absolutely. So, yeah. So, as a result, you, you, as a father, you make mistakes, and then you've got, then through responsibility, you can say, you can turn around and say, well, you know, things that aren't working in their lives or insecurities or things that they have, you can just say, well, they got to work it out. Or you can take responsibility and clean your mess up, mm-hmm. you know, at least you're part of the mess mm-hmm. in, in, in what you've done. And, and it takes, you know, things like that, especially when you're dealing with women, you know, you, you can't, men want to just fix things. Okay, what I do? Tell me what I did. Okay, sorry, done. Well, it doesn't work that way. You know, especially with with women and young girls, it it, it it doesn't work that way. It takes time. You you've got to allow the feminine side of your male personality to kick in and understand a woman from her perspective, instead of trying to understand her from your male mind. It never works. And and there's a that's a whole nother world. You know, and that and that that as men, yeah, you know what it's like. It's a whole nother world in, in not knowing how to, you know, to address those issues. It's uncomfortable. You feel like you're walking around in dirty clothes or something, you know. I mean, it, it's just, it's, just a, it, it's, a, it's a strange dynamic, but you have to be willing to go after it. And I'm saying this to you as fathers who even maybe have older children, you know, it's never too late. And, 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 and I don't necessarily mean, you know, try to jump into some long, drawn-out conversation. I'm just talking about learning to relate. And you have, sorry, I just, I just breathed in air or something. <laughs> um, you have, I'm talking too fast. 
you have a helper, the Holy Spirit, to show you how to do that. You know, and, and, and that's why church is so important because you have to have the word to know how to do that and be challenged on it on a regular basis. You can't just, well, I did that for a couple of years and I know what it's. No, no, no. You need to be hearing it all the time. That's the importance of it. Well, and I was going to say feeling like maybe you didn't do whatever when they were kids. I, I don't, don't ever feel like it's too late because I, I can remember times where, you know, I was really hurt or I was really upset and he tried. He was always so good at once he realized asking for forgiveness and wanting to talk about it. And I didn't, there was years I didn't want to because I was, I had really let it hurt me and I was just, oh, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to, you know, whatever. Um, so later on, I think as, you know, you are adult, I don't, I don't, you know, even if it is years later, I think it's a good thing that you can then go back and when they're, when you're, they're kids, I mean, you know, you can't really get to the root of an issue. So don't let the enemy tell you that it's too late. Yeah, because I mean, I don't have a lot, I don't really have any memories of, of you doing anything when I was little that was wrong. Like, I honestly don't. I mean, maybe if we had a bad day here and there. But it was, again, during that same time frame. And so I think that's like what she was saying. It's never too late because we, I mean, I think we had it pretty easy going for a really long time. And then we hit a really stressful point in our life when you had a lot on your plate. And we were actually older and probably not the best age for that to happen because a lot... I experienced a lot during those years, and you weren't as present as you had been, so in a way it was kind of like culture shock because you had been there, but it's, I mean, it's not too late because we had to deal with that in some older ages, even with what we had that was good, so we had to work through that in older ages. Absolutely. That's a good point. Real good. Anything else? Along that line? Well, I was going to say one thing that I have, has been probably the biggest thing that I've learned as an adult um, towards my parents is that, you know, as a kid, you look at your parents as like, you know, kind of God to you. I mean, you run to them for everything. You need their assurance. You need all these things. But then looking back when you're able to, it's like, man, you know, they're just people (laughs) just like me, you know, and, and if they didn't do it, it's because they didn't know how, or it wasn't done to them and just having grace for them. You know, that's something that I've had to myself look back and go, I'm sorry for being such a brat when you were trying to, you know, whatever, because I just was so hurt and I thought it was so bad or whatever. And as kids too, you know, you look at your little situation and then later you go, oh my gosh, I had it so perfect. (laughs) You know, it didn't seem like it may be in the moment. And I'm saying that to people that have it completely different from me as well, because there's always someone that has it so much worse than we do, you know, but just remembering they're human beings, you know, they're not your savior. They're not your heavenly father and they're going to make mistakes. You know, that's a really good point. Any, any other comments? Well, one thing about, and, and as, as fathers today, one thing, if you've got more than one child, is that everybody's got a different personality, you know, and how you deal with that personality. You heard Laura talk about some of her stuff, you know, early on, and, you know, we, we took our children when they were little, we took them everywhere, you know, we didn't leave them at home. So if we were going, went to a restaurant, we took our children with us, you know, and usually, you know, about halfway in the middle of the meal, Laura and I were headed to the car, you know. <laughs> 
and uh, so the plates would sit out there in, on the table, and we'd go, and, you know, we're going we're gonna to talk this through, and she's going to do what I tell her to do, you know. But, it, 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 you know, we're not gonna, I'm not going to spank her in the restaurant in front of everybody. Well, you know, unless it, it just, you know, she was crawling up the lattice or something in, inside the place. I've told her three times. But, you know, I mean, in most cases, I'm not going to humiliate her in front of other people. She's a child, you know. She's five or four or five or six years old. And, you know, she's got a strong, she's a strong-willed child. And she had focus about what she wanted to do, and you don't want to crush that, you, do, you want to direct it, you know, but I will win at the end of the day, you know, and, and it, whatever we got to do, we got to do it, and, and, you know, if you don't, I'm just telling you as parents today, because we live in a society where it's not popular to discipline, you know, I mean, when I was in, in elementary and junior high and high school, you know, the paddle reached my backside a number of times, in junior high, I got sent to the office with five other guys because of what we were doing in class. And so they whipped us. I mean, and they didn't just like, okay, quit. You know, boom. And, and it, was, it was three booms on your backside. I mean, it's hard. And I was the last one to get whipped, and that was in fifth period. In sixth period, I had shop. And on the last boom, he broke the paddle. So he said, here, take it. Fix it in your shop class. <laughs> Dang. So I got to go in there, you know, after getting whooped, you know, and, and the whole thing, you know. But I'm telling you, I'm a better person today because of that. You say, wow, that's so cruel. Or, well, what, you can think whatever. But, but when you don't have to hurt any. I'm not talking about hurting people or hurting children or any of that kind of thing. I don't condone any of that don't, or abuse or in, a, in an ugly way. But, but the Bible says you don't discipline and your child will go wayward. It's just if you don't if you don't let them know who's boss and not, let them not get away with specific things, you know you can have mercy and you can have grace for them. But then there comes that last time, and if you give them the last time and then give them five more chances, they'll take advantage of you from then on. They'll challenge you. Anyway, so um, one of the things today that I, I, I want to say and end with this is that as, as children, everybody sitting here today is a, is a child. You were a child with parents and some kind of formation of, of parents of a mother, father, or stepmother, father, however those things worked out. And um, every one of those parents, every one of the fathers, because we're talking fathers today, made mistakes. They weren't perfect. And I promise you that they fathered based on the information that they had. And if they didn't, if they didn't have this information in how to be a father, then there was more mistakes. You know, because this is the information book for life. And it explains very clearly how to be a father. And we're not going to talk about that today, but the one thing that I want to leave you, and I want to read you a couple of scriptures, is what I want to leave with you is the power of forgiveness. The power of forgiving. I've watched all four of my girls 
forgive me. And I'm not, I'm not saying that, you know, they're not sitting up here and everything's clear and everything's perfect and they don't have any, you know, at times maybe I do something and it irritates the crud out of them or I'll, whatever, it reminds them maybe of something that happened in the past. Yeah, you, you constantly have to work through those things. You know, I'm not saying that every single thing, every I is dotted, every T is crossed, and it's all perfect. I'm not saying that at all. Forgiveness is something that is daily. It's something that you have to live and operate and work in. But in Malachi 4, and verse 5 and 6, you can go back and look at these. Actually, if you, I think you have them back there if you want to stick that up there. Verse 5 and 6 of Malachi 4. And, and then... <clears throat> And, and then it's repeated in Luke, um, in Luke chapter 1. But it, but it says, you got, no. Um, let, let me read these two real quick. Malachi. Last book of the Old Testament. And... The last two verses. So these last two verses in Malachi compelled us into the New Testament. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he will return the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. And Jesus said that John the Baptist was not literally Elijah, but he came in the spirit of Elijah. And that spirit came to prepare the way of the Lord. And what he said in Luke chapter 1, he repeated what was prophesied by the prophet Malachi, that it was, it was the desire of the Father, our Heavenly Father, for the hearts of fathers to be turned to their children and vice versa, the hearts of the children to the fathers. And to be able to do that, in this dispensation of time, we have to forgive. There's no two ways about it. We have to forgive. Because all day long you can think about what a father didn't do for you or how a father let you down in this way. And and, and it's all real, okay? And through the years with my parents, with my, my birth mother and my, and my natural father, there were things through divorce that really let me down. And I used it against especially my mother, but even against my father. I used it against them until God really revealed to me and showed me what, what it was that I was doing. And what really helped me what really helped me in dealing with my parents and attitude toward my parents was realizing they did the best they could with the knowledge that they had. And you can say, so the best that he could do was abusing me. That wasn't his best, but because of things of his past, caused him to do things that were wrong and I'm not condoning abuse of any kind whatsoever and there's many 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 hurt people but the Bible is clear with this the sins of the father get passed to the kids and we can we can live under those and we can allow them to affect us 
we can rise up and choose to forgive and choose to move on. That doesn't mean you have to condone and act like it's no big deal and what they did that hurt you, you know. It, it doesn't mean that you necessarily forget what, what, what happened to you, but you forgive it and you let it go. And because and, and the, there's always different relationships and reconnections that sometimes are right and sometimes they're not right because of, of what can happen with that. But the power of forgiveness is what most people don't know because they've never chosen to do it. I had a really deep-seated thing that I've shared before towards my mother, and there's a whole lot of things that were involved in that. And in 1988, I spent 24 hours with my mom in a hotel room in Waco, Texas. And in that 24 hours, we worked through things and issues because I'd come to a point in my Christian walk where I couldn't go any farther because I couldn't get rid of this thing. And I believe God told me to do this, and I spent 24 hours almost with her in this hotel room. And in that time, what I found out was a lot of things that had happened to her as a child that affected her lifestyle that caused her to be what she was to me. Not that, she, not that I don't love her, and to this day we have a great relationship. But there are things that were built up in me and attitudes I had towards her, but I didn't know the whole story. And when I found out the whole story, God, Man, the compassion and the forgiveness just begin to pour for her, you know. And, and that's, that's, where, that's where the victories will be won in your relationship towards your parents. Or, and today we're talking about fathers. Your victories will be won there. Even if your father has passed and he's hurt you and he did something or he, he, he neglected you or you felt abandoned as a result of that, I'm telling you, forgiveness and forgiving that person will create something inside of you that you didn't even know was possible. I mean, I, I can tell you what it's done for me, but there's no way that you'll ever believe that unless you choose to forgive also. And forgive, forgiving isn't just going through the motions one time of, okay, you know, I'll, I'll just forget it. No, it, it, it's learning to draw from God the forgiveness that came from him when he forgave us for all that we did. He forgave Adam and Eve and all of humanity for 4,000 years in giving the best of heaven. And so, you know, th th there's a lot to that and there's a lot in it, but I, I, I want to leave you with this passage of Scripture today, and I want to I pray over you. And it's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. <clears throat> Second Corinthians chapter 1, starting with verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. The Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort of with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. The Father of mercies, not, not singular but plural, 
mercy in every way. He's forgiving in every way. He's long-suffering in every way. He's here for us. Everybody's had a father let him down, but we serve a God and a father that will never let you down. And he will always be there for you, and he will always comfort you. And listen, this can go in every relationship that you have. You can think of fathers, but you can think in spouses, children, parents, everything. That people's unforgiveness toward a person because of things that they've done to them will only harbor and cause there to be an inward cancerous thing in their spirit work against them instead of for them. And the God, the, 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 God, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort is here to forgive us so that we're able to do what? Forgive and comfort others. He's here to forgive us and comfort us so that we can forgive and comfort those who have issues toward us and have things toward us. And I, I just tell you today, there, there's, there's no life like a life where you can forgive. And today is Father's Day, and we're here today honoring fathers. And, I, and, I, and I'll tell you, um, we live in a society where fathers are idiots. You seen the Sprint commercial lately? The father is a gerbil. Yes. Thank you, Pastor. I've never gotten that commercial. <laughs> the father is that that freaking gerbil in the little wheel. That's the father. That's what the world thinks of fathers. And I'm just here to say, I, hey, I've made a boatload of mistakes. My girls were kind to me today. I've made a boatload of mistakes, but I'm not staying like that, and I am not a gerbil. Amen? I believe in who I am. I have great mercy and forgiveness, and God has comforted me in all my mistakes so that I can have great mercy and compassion on anybody and everybody else. You don't have to hold anything against, no matter what somebody does to you, even to this day, people that hurt you, people that, you know, as a pastor, people leave the church and they're mad at you or they do what, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I don't have to put my mouth on people. I don't have to be against people. I don't have to bring up the past and what about this and all. I don't have to do any of that because I know who I am in God, but it's taken a lot, a lot of stuff a lot of issues, a lot of things I had to walk through as a father, but my children have been here along the way to not only kind of help that along, but to grow in that and, 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 and glean from the benefits of the things that I have done right. You, you understand? And, and so let's focus on that. Let's be thankful for our fathers today and what they have done right instead of just focusing on all the bad things that they've done. Amen? And, and that's what I'm believing for each and every one of you today. That, that where your natural father may have let you down, your heavenly father will never let you down. And he's here to comfort you and to strengthen you day by day. Can you say amen? If you're here today and you can just say, you know what, Pastor? I, I need strength. I need your prayers. I, I just 
I want you to stand today. You say, I need your prayers along this line. Uh, being a father, a mother, a child, whatever. It, it, we're praying for fathers today, but for anybody here today. You say, you know what, I, I, need, I need help in this, in, in this area. And you know what, I, when, when, as I'm saying that, I, I'm standing. As I pray, I'm praying for myself. So don't, don't think that you've got to figure out is there, you know, 14 wrong things. Well, there's only a couple things. No, if, if you need, if you want me to pray and just speak over you today, just stand to your feet. Amen? That's what I'm trying to say. It's not about if I can figure out how horrible I am that I need your prayer. I'm, I mean, I'm just saying I believe everybody needs prayer today and strength today. So, girls, just come and stand with me today, and we're going we're gonna to pray and speak blessing over these people today. Amen? Heavenly Father, <clears throat> we're so grateful and thankful for your example. Wow. Your example. You so loved me. You so loved each one of us individually. Had we been the only one, you'd have died for us. You so loved us that you gave your only son the best. He was the best that heaven had to offer, and you offered him so that we would be free and we would be empowered. No matter where we've come from and the issues and the circumstances that we've had, each one of us have had to deal with in our lives, it doesn't matter. You know where we were. You weren't there condoning wrong times and abuses or neglect. or You weren't condoning that. But you were saying, you know what, I'm still here, and I'm going to help you through this, and, I, and I'm going to take you through this to another place. And today... It's our choices to go to that new place, that new landing place of liberty and victory through forgiveness. Today, Lord, as each person purposes in their heart to forgive, I thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit overcoming them and overtaking them in their ability to walk out forgiveness, not just talking forgiveness, but learning to walk it out. It may be to one that they have to give a gift to somebody. It may be to one that they have to go and say, you know what, I'm sorry for what I did, even if, that, if the other person did more, or, or whatever it would be. Maybe it's saying nothing, but just forgiving that person. But whatever it would be, I thank you for the Holy Spirit in them to help them to walk out this power of forgiveness today. Lord, that there be no roots of bitterness that would continue to spring up in our life and feel a certain way and feel like I'm not good enough and feel like I'll never fit in and I'll feel like I'm never going to be counted on and, 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 and considered in for, for promotions or whatever it is. No, that's not us. We're valuable, Lord, in your eyes and in your kingdom, and we receive that, and as a result, we'll be valuable on this planet here to make a difference in all the things that we do. In the name of Jesus today, Father, we give you the praise, we give you the glory today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. And amen. Glory to God.